In 2017, the Nashville Predators were battling for the Stanley Cup, and before that, the thought of them missing the playoffs was baffling because they were division contenders every single year. This year, however, they're sitting outside of the Central Division's top four, and the idea of them missing the postseason looks very realistic. So David Poyle has done something that he's only done twice before in Nashville, and that's make a change behind the bench. What do we make of his decision to do so? And if his plan fails, what happens next? Episode 201 of Lace Em Up Podcast starts right now. And now, it's time to Lace Em Up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. Remember back in the summer when uh, the Preds signed Matt Duchesne and we thought this was going to carry them over the top, and instead uh, things haven't gone so well despite Roman Yossi playing like a man possessed, and uh, as a result, they've made a coaching change, Brett. Yeah. Um, actually, I hadn't even thought about that, but I remember Duchesne... Uh, mentioning that um, like over the off season that he wanted to win a cup and now mm-hmm. um, he's gonna miss the playoffs for another year it looks like um, yeah so um, the the Preds fire Peter Laviolette for on Monday um, and then they go and hire John Hines which we'll talk about in a second but um, it's pretty interesting in terms of like Peter Laviolette's had an interesting resume um, so far. He you know he played for or he coached uh, Carolina to a cup, um, and then he coached and you know he has some success there. Um, and then um, after a while they get they grow tired of him. Then he goes to uh, Philadelphia. He has some success early on there. Um, and then they grow tired of him, and then he gets fired a couple of years later. Um, and then he goes to Nashville, and they have a lot of success. They never win the big one, but then um, he gets fired um, shortly thereafter when, when um, I guess, maybe the team get, grows tired of them. Um, but um, well, also, I guess there, you notice a trend here now, because they <laughs> I'm, just, I'm actually looking at his resume here. Uh, they lost in the Stanley Cup Finals uh, in Laviolette's first year in Philadelphia. Um, they won the Stanley Cup in Carolina's second in Laviolette's second year. Um, they made the playoffs for the Islanders when he was the coach there before Carolina, um, but then he gets fired, I guess, the next year or something, which is kind of interesting. Um, and then, um, yeah, and then he loses in the Stanley Cup Finals in Laviolette's third year in the Predators system. So that's, that's kind of interesting, but there is like a steep decline there. Uh, not as bad as Guy Boucher's resume. Where, yeah, at like, least Nashville made the playoffs and sure. won two straight division titles yeah, after yeah. they, uh, for sure. they uh, were two wins away from yeah, the yeah. Cup. But if you, if you notice Guy Boucher's resume, it's like he was good the first two year or he's good the first year then there's a big drop off the second year and then there's a huge drop off the third year and he gets, it's like the same trend over and over again 
Um, but anyways, uh, <laughs> Laviolette gets fired. He has an interesting resume. Um, I felt like this was one of those things where the Winter Classic was big, um, was a big uh, turnaround for them, um, or like when we start to realize like, oh, the Preds are gonna die because they were up by two goals, um, and we and I thought like, oh, should I even keep on watching because it looks like the Pred this is gonna be a runaway because they scored. Well, yeah, really it was quickly. it was like probably like not even ten minutes into the game and they yeah. had already scored twice. Yeah, to Shane uh, involved in both goals. Exactly. And I thought like, oh, okay, I, I guess I'll just have this on in the background. And then all of a sudden, like the stars just keep on going and keep on going. They hired a new coach too. But um, then also David Poyle, a couple of days later, uh, says something to the effect that they're not gonna fire Laviolette um, and they're not even thinking about it. Um, and then like, I think it was like a day later, they fire. Laviolette. <laughs> um, and I, I think it was more yeah. like, I think it was three to four days oh, that season where I, I think it was January 2nd yeah, when, yeah. Uh, when uh, Poyle made those comments. But yeah, he was quick to defend Laviolette and that he wasn't going to make any changes. Like he was growing a bit impatient. But right. um, Dave, David Poyle is about as patient a man as, as it comes True. in the game of hockey. Like this is the third time or actually no the second time he's changed coaches in nashville yep. barry trotz for laviolette and now um the guy we're going to talk about later john hines for pierre laviolette for sure, and yeah. as a gm for 37 years in this league he's only done this four times yeah and i guess also to be fair there was like some like slides in, in the for the Predators in December. Yeah. So like, it wasn't just the Winter Classic that, that did them in. Um, although they were winning every now and then, but then they started to decline. Um, and then all of a sudden they just make this move. Um, and, but like, even still like the Pred like the Central Division's probably the, I would, yeah, I would say it is the toughest division in this league. Mm -hmm. um, so, so I have to ask, we have this, these questions here. Uh, was this warranted? Was this the right call? So the National Predators at the time of Pierre Laviolette's dismissal had a record of 19-15-7, good for 45 points. Yeah. Not a bad record. Not bad, no. They were 10th to last in the league standings and 6th in their division, which, again, shows a testament as to how strong the Central Division is. You have St. Louis, Dallas, Colorado, um, even Chicago and Minnesota not being slouches either. Winnipeg, as questionable as their defense has been, they've still found a way to get results. And they're slightly ahead of the National Predators. And if you take a look at the Preds at the time of uh, this coaching change, they were four points out of a wild card spot, but also eight points away from dead last yeah. in the entire conference. So it just goes to show you that there are no sleepers in this league. Nothing is basically given to you. You have to work every single night for what you get. And if you don't work hard enough, you're going to get 
less than satisfying results. And uh, it's unfortunate because the Nashville Predators are in win-now mode. They have the roster to be a top 10 team in this league. And for whatever reason, lack of execution everywhere. It's just been hit and miss, hit and miss. You win three, you lose three. And you were talking about um, their slouch in, in December. They were actually, uh, there was a five game stretch where they went, um, there was a five game stretch where they went four, oh, and one. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, they went four, oh, and one. And the final three games to that five-game stretch were all one-goal decisions. So that there were a couple of high-scoring games that they were barely eking out wins, but they were still getting results. 4-0-1 isn't all that bad. Then they get out of the Christmas break and into a home-and-home -home with Pittsburgh, which is where the demise of Pierre Laviolette started to take its shape. Um, I believe the score of the first game, uh, actually, I, I have it in my notes here. They fell 5-2 in the first game. They fell 6-4 in the second game. In both of those games, they fell behind early. They tried to get their way back into it. But when you, when you get behind the eight ball so early in a hockey game, it's really tough to really play your game for a full 60 minutes and get the results that you want. So 11 goals against in two games. Yeah, it's against Pittsburgh. But they're without Crosby, they're without Gensel. They have, on paper, a better team than Pittsburgh. They should be able to beat the Penguins. And they lay an egg and they get zero of a possible four points. Then you have the Winter Classic after that, where, again, they're up 2 nothing early in the game. Stars try to generate a little bit of momentum, but um, it's only, like, towards, like, the midway point of the second period where you really start to see Dallas get something going. And then after that, it's all Dallas stars. They get a late goal from Blake Como, I believe, uh, in the final minutes of the second period. They tie it early in the third period. And from then on, they take the lead. Then they add another goal. And Nashville gets some chances to get one past Bishop, but nothing doing, and they lose 4-2. Uh, the game against Los Angeles comes around. They win 4-1, and yeah, a win's a win, but everyone should beat Los Angeles. They're, they're in the doghouse of the Western Conference for a reason. So that was a game they should have won either way. Then they go into Anaheim, get 21 shots against, I believe, in the first period. Uh, somehow it's only tied at one at that point they end up going to overtime they give up 47 shots in the game they lose 5-4 I, I like uh the la game that was a winnable game that slipped through their grasp and the day later after they come back from um their road trip out west um the shoe is dropped labiolette is dismissed Ke uh, is dismissed kevin mccarthy his assistant coach who was also fired with him in philly also gets the axe uh, and um, that's that's pretty much all she wrote for, for Pierre Laviolette. Here's another reason why I think David Poyle couldn't wait to make a coaching change. If you take a look at Nashville's schedule, they have Winnipeg, Edmonton, Buffalo, Toronto, and Washington still on the docket for this month. In February, they open up with a game against Vegas. They play St. Louis twice. 
You have Colorado and Winnipeg as well. Um, they also head to Western Canada. All three of those teams are still in the mix, uh, that being Edmonton, Calgary, and Vancouver. Um, you have the Islanders and the Hurricanes in there who are all doing well in the East. Uh, we take a look at March, Calgary and Edmonton again, home and home with Dallas. They get two more games with the Avalanche between March and April. You see the Jets and the Leafs again. So that right there is 21 games I named. They have 39 games left if you include the one from Saturday. So every single game is key for the National Predators moving forward. And I guess you could say for every team is key moving forward, but especially for Nashville when you're in that division where there's little room for error and you've got so many teams on your tail and so many teams ahead of you, you really need to get on a roll and you really can't afford to look back because if they do and they start to regress again like they did in that late December to early January stretch, it spells trouble for you. So I really think, given the fact that this team is where they are right now and what they are capable of becoming when they're all firing on all cylinders, that's another reason why this decision was made. Because David Poyle knows at the end of the day, the window for this team is shrinking. If you take a look at the Toronto Maple Leafs and compare them to the National Predators, if, the, the biggest issue with the Leafs is cap space. It's not youth. They have Taver, uh, they have, sorry, they have Mitch Marner and they have Austin Matthews in their early 20s, not even close to the prime of their career yet. So it's just about managing cap space with those guys. And you also have guys like Kasperi Kapanen and Andreas Janssen as well. Nashville, you look at a lot of their core pieces. They are not about to enter their prime. They are already in their prime. Um, you, you take a look at um, their forward group. Um, just just taking a look, yeah. I, I believe I had it somewhere. Okay, Ryan Johansson, 27 years old. Mikhail Granlund, 27. Austin Watson, 27. Matt Duchesne, 28. Kyle Turris, 30 years old. Greg Smith, 30 years old. Yep. Philip Ford, 25. Arbertson, 26. Yossi Ellis Ekholm, all 29. Benino, 31. Yarncrow, 28. So when even when you get all of the young players they have in the system, like Dante Fabro, Ely Tolvanen, Philip Tomasino, UC Seros, when all of those guys have hit their stride, the guys I just mentioned before will be nearing the end of their prime. Oh, you're done. You were talking for like yeah. five minutes there. I was like, well, I figure, I figure, I, I give you a chance because I've been ranting for like five minutes. Yeah, but, that's what I was saying. Um, you, you, you get the point why this yeah. why this is so important uh, to to make a decision before it's too late because time is has been their nemesis in the past couple of years, and it's an even bigger nemesis now because you're starting to get into this the rest of this year and the next year and the year after that and the question becomes okay well where's your core going to be at that stage we don't know um yeah um yeah no that's a good point i mean yeah it, it's it, it's a little bit interesting because like as you mentioned 
you know, the Predators have, like, they had a 18, what was it, 18, 15, and 7 record uh, before? Uh, you were close. It was 19, 15, oh, and 7. Uh, that was their record at the oh, yeah, time yeah, yeah. Pierre Labiola was dismissed. I That's 45 points. That's I should have done the math points. on that because I I, yeah. I, I, I I was looking at their schedule and their record and I knew that they uh, Laviolette was fired two games before, but so I should have done the I should have done the math there. But yeah, even still, they're nineteen, fifteen, and seven with Laviolette there. That's that's still a pretty good average. I mean, obviously that's like that's like a five. Is that that's a five sixty average or a uh, winning percentage or something like that? Um, so. Wait, actually, now I can I can look that up because they won one and lost one with John Hines, so that means they oh they don't do the percentage. I believe as so they won nineteen of their first forty one games. 19. So they're around they're around five hundred. Like they're pretty close to five hundred. Okay, but that's even a still, four. Given okay. the that they have, it should be a lot better. Yeah. Okay. That's a forty-six winning percentage. So that's that's not good. I guess. I mean, that's that's. And, and but the, it's not bad either. The, the special the special teams, especially, is yeah. alarming. Like their power play with Matt Duchesne, with Roman Yossi at the top of his game, is not that much better compared to last year. It's only up by like two or three yeah. percent. They're still at the bottom ten. Their penalty kill has dropped almost ten points right. from last year. So, but I guess the thing is, is that it's. Um, like I'm, I'm kind of on the fence here because they are in the middle of the league in that sense, but they're still like a pretty good team. Um, they have, um, you know, Forsberg, they have Arvidsson, uh, Duchesne, uh, they get Granlin, who's a mixed bag, I guess. Um, and, um, you know, they have some young talent in Tolvanen and Fabro, who knows how d they're going to develop, but... Um, they've they've shown what they're capable of in in certain ways, um, so so they are in good shape in that regard too. So I think it's like they're mediocre. The only thing though is, is that John Hines um, he could barely coach the Devils when they were like somewhat good. So um, yeah. I'm not sure um, if he's the right choice. Um, if you're going to fire Laviolette, I'm not sure w why you would replace him with uh, Hines because I don't think there are other options out there. I mean, I guess you could put in Babcock, but you don't want to start that that again. Um, and like maybe you hire like Dan Bilesma, but I don't know if you want to do that either. Um, so that's where I get like kind of confused because like I like John Hines, I don't think is a better coach than Laviolette is. And I understand that you're probably not going to make the playoffs, but I don't understand why you would do this um, even still. And I guess there is, and uh, I guess I'm going to another point before I take it back to you. Um, but yeah. the, um, you know, the goalie situation, um, all of a sudden, I mean, I guess it was to be expected because like Pecorine is 37 or something like that. Um, yep. so that makes, yeah, he's 37. Oh, I got that exactly. I didn't even look. Um, yeah, he's 37. So that's kind of to be expected that he would have a drop off. Um, but you see Saros all of a sudden, 
is also not good either. Um, and he's 24 years old. So I guess that's also a part of it is that we all kind of expected that UC Saros would take over from Pecorine, um, and he's been playing more and more games, but uh, UC Saros hasn't been good either. So it's, it's kind of confusing. Um, and like the Duchesne trade made sense. It's not like PK Subban has been lights out in New Jersey um, either. So it's not like Poyle's fault, but um, but like I, I still feel like Laviolette is the better option. Um, but the goaltending is a big concern for them. On paper, Laviolette is definitely the better option, and we'll discuss more when we talk about sure. who could be potential suitors because he is one of those slam dunk candidates that you pick up the phone, you call him right away as soon as he's available. Like, he's that good of a coach. Yeah. And he's, he's shown in different NHL markets in different under different circumstances, which, you know, any organization would love, you know, a coach that can win no matter what roster he's dealt like that, that's a quality that not too many coaches possess the thing with peter laviolette is i think the regression of the chicago blackhawks kind of did him in because if you look at the blackhawks remember when they got swept by the predators and they only mustered like what was it three goals in four games and they were like swept out of the first round. That was the beginning of the end for the Chicago Blackhawks as we know it. Like that was the end of the Quenville dynasty where Keith and Seabrook and Kane and Taze were all great and they and they had Artemi Panarin. That's where the slow decline started to creep in. And it wasn't only until like a year or two later when the shoe dropped on Quenville and he was gone. David Poyle, I wonder I wonder if David Poyle in the back of his mind was thinking, I don't want it to get to that. I'm gonna make this decision now in case it's it saves us from a demise of that sort, because what was killing the Blackhawks then was time. Like the time in their dynasty was slowly coming to an end. And it's slowly coming to an end with the National Predators. So I'm wondering if just having that vantage point on what happened to the Blackhawks uh, when they were starting to slowly regress, that was in the back of David Poyle's mind. And he's just thinking maybe a coaching change is what prevents me from being in that position a few years from now. So, so that was one of the things that went through my mind. The other thing I think that went against Peter Laviolette is his ability to adapt to differing situations. Uh, David Poyle mentioned that after Matt Duchesne got hurt and then Philip Forsberg got hurt, um, things started to fall uh, in the wrong direction a little bit. You take a look at the Pittsburgh Penguins this year. They were without Evgeny Malkin for the first little bit of the season. Then uh, here and there, they were without Crystal Tang. Now they're without Gensel for the rest of the year. They've been without Crosby for the better part of two months. Matt Murray hasn't been playing to Matt Murray expectations. Doesn't matter. Brian Rust picking it up. Tristan Jerry picking it up. Sean Marino, who his rights were traded away to Edmonton, uh, from Edmonton. They acqu- the Pittsburgh acquired his rights for a six-round yeah. pick, and he's proven to be a solid-depth defenseman for them. Mike Sullivan has done that. Yeah. Under those circumstances. And the Penguins 
are one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. They're That's... still finding a ways to win games. And they're better than this Nashville Predators team. Yeah, which, let's go. Let's go. In my <laughs> opinion, the Preds, the Preds should be better. Yeah. Um, I I think part of the reason is he's been able to get more. Out, Mike Sullivan, I'm talking about. He's been able to get more out of his depth players compared to Pierre Laviolette. Like Mikhail Granlund comes over in the trade deadline yeah. after being a like a 50 to 60 point guy in Minnesota. Does nothing. Started off decent with Matt Duchesne this year. Hasn't done Jeez. much since. Matt Duchesne. Decent, but I think he can do better. Uh, Kyle Turris has been healthy, scratched a couple yeah. of times by Lavalette. I... When asked about the change, Kyle Turris just paused and said, it's a business. Right. So if a new voice can get more out of those depth guys, I think all the more reason to make a change here. I Well, first off, if you're comparing Mike Sullivan's coaching job to Peter Laviolette, I mean, yeah, Mike Sullivan's a really good coach. There's a reason why he won two two straight cups um, in a row. I think just people forgot that he was because he kind of like take Crosby and Malkin for granted. But, uh, you know, we forgot that like there was a time when the Penguins were one of the like were a bad team, even with Crosby and Malkin and Latang and all those guys. And, Mike's, and then Mike Sullivan steps in and all of a sudden they're winning cups. Um, so Mike Sullivan is a good coach, um, and so and a lot of team a lot of teams um, should be better than the Penguins are right now. Um, so comparing um, that situation to Laviolette's situation is um, a little bit like yeah, a lot of teams should be better than what the Penguins are doing right now, and what they're doing right now I, is just, pretty crazy. I, I'm just I'm just pointing out what Peter. Laviolette hasn't been able to do that Mike Sullivan has been able yeah. to do this year, which is get the most out of everybody. True. Whether it's been the fault of Pierre Laviolette or not, at the end of the day, you're not going to trade away the entire roster. You're probably just going to fire the coach and pick another guy and hope that works. But you could say the same. Like that's all Will can do at this point. But you could say the same for the uh, like the Calgary Flames or the the even yeah. you know the Flyers or the the Blue Jackets or the Canadians. You know, you could say the same for a lot of teams, uh, not just the Predators. Is my point. Um, the Wild, sure. uh, maybe not the Wild, but like you could say the, well, the Blackhawks. I mean, you know, you take a look at what the St. Louis Blues did. Like yeah. heading into last heading into last season, they were projected to be Stanley Cup favorites. They fire their coach. Yep. And and then they and then Bennington happens and they get on a roll and yeah. the rest is history. I'm just I'm so just, I'm just it, it, yeah. is it a ballsy move? Yeah, but maybe it's one that pays off. I'm just like, saying that it's, like it's, Sullivan. Like I'm just saying that Sullivan's like like top five, maybe probably top one of best coaches in the league. So there's like a you know it's just it's hard to compare him to that but i understand what you're saying it's like laviolette could get more out of his depth players i'm just i'm just having issues with you comparing him to sullivan um than anything but that, that wasn't my goal yeah, yeah. I, I was just taking a look at two examples okay and oh, yeah, yeah. it's going better I'm than just, the other i'm just fired up now anyways let's uh <laughs> let's let's go to what do we think of john himes is this the right move um I don't think this was the right move, actually. Um, I guess we're going to disagree some more, maybe. But, I mean, I guess 
you I, you did mention through email when this did happen um, when they did hire John Hines that like you know the Devils are a younger team and maybe they like uh, older crowd responds to John Hines more. Um, but if you look at his like you know he's only had a couple of um, head coaching gigs and there's um, and you know he's only been good for one of those years. Um, in 2017-2018 year uh, where he made the playoffs um, but that could be argued that it was like Kin Keith Kincaid and Taylor Hall really picked it up and um, there wasn't really much else in the system and so maybe like this like David Poyle's just hoping that like the Devils are just not that good of a team and all that stuff but um and uh and john hines like it was more to do with john hines you know just had a bad roster management versus um anything else but like even still i feel like um john hines isn't the right coach for this um like I, i'm not but on the same end i'm not sure who else you could replace him with um that would be better than what you have with laviolette like I feel like is it the best? Yeah. yeah, I feel like no. Continue if you. If, yeah, yeah. I had I just had one more point. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, that like I feel like if you're going to like I understand if you're like you have to make this move maybe if you're just trying to like fire up your team or something, but like the Predators were still in the hunt or still in the hunt. Um, so I feel like if you're going to fire Laviolette, you should probably wait to fire him after the end of the season versus firing him right now. Um, because I feel like, you know, they could still be in it and Laviolette's a better coach than John Hines is. So that's more my own issue with it. Yeah, I think continue. David Poyle made this change to say to the players, this is your last chance. If you can't get it done this year, changes are coming in the off season. Yeah. I think he's giving the core one last but, shot to make up their mind and play to their potential. But would you argue and, that like, because they added Duchesne this season, they made that PK Subban trade. Like, wouldn't you argue that like this, like the signal was already made that they're going for it and that changes are going to happen even and next I, year? I have heard, I have heard, not heard, but I've seen on Twitter people make that same point. Well, they've had how many wake-up calls now? Yeah. You're right. This isn't the first subtle message that David Poyle has sent out to his group. I wouldn't say it's um, subtle, but okay. It, it, I, I think he wants to be perfectly sure that before he makes any changes, he's done everything he possibly can um, to make sure that uh, to to accurately dissect what the problem is. Is it the coach or is it certain pieces of the roster? And if it's certain pieces of the roster, that'll be for him to tackle in the offseason. Because if there's one thing about drafting, developing, making trades, he's had a pretty good track record of that. I mean, he fleeced the Washington Capitals for Philip Forsberg. Let's yeah. keep that. In but on the other um, hand, we all thought that he fleeced the Minnesota Wild last season. 
Turns yeah. out Granlin may not be as good as Kevin Fiala is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you know what? The Every single NHL GM has had a trade or two or five or, that they look back and say, yeah, that doesn't look good on me. Or we even thought that uh, that he fleeced the Montreal Canadiens with that uh, Shea Weber for P.K. Subban trade. And Subban is struggling in New Jersey, and now... Shea Weber is pretty good in, in Montreal too. So it's it's like, yeah, he, he did fleece Washington um, that one time, but the two trade the two other trades that we thought uh, he fleeced um, were much less of a fleecing than we originally thought they were um, when they were made. Mm-hmm. And and there and there are at the end of the day, there are gonna be moves that are made where if the Preds don't win within their golden window, ultimately part of the blame is going to rely on the guy that assembled this roster. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, if the roster doesn't deliver, who's responsible for it? The guy that brought the roster together. Yeah, for sure. That's the guy who makes trains and signs players and drafts players. Um, But the hope is that I think John Hines walks into a situation where he doesn't have to groom anybody the players are there they're set to go they're ready to win just plug them into the lineup put them on the ice and watch them play and coach yeah and there are some things that um i i did some research Uh, there are are some things that john hines actually did uh, pretty well in new jersey which it's it's tough to really notice them because he was the coach of the Devils, and they weren't really good for most of the time that he was there, except that one year. Um, but it's also important to remember that Joe Quenville was with his third NHL team before he won a Stanley Cup. He didn't win the Cup right away. True. Same with Craig Berube. was his second gig. Barry Trotz, second gig. Mike Sullivan, second gig. Daryl Sutter had three gigs before he won the Cup of the Kings. So sometimes results don't come easily or right away. Um, John Hines coaches a pretty simple game, um, really attentive to detail kind of guy. Um, He he mentioned um, the Preds playing a possession game with more experienced defense. New Jersey is a young team um, that was really learning along with John Hines because prior to that, John Hines didn't really have much of a coaching gig. He was learning with them. Nashville, like I said, has all the experience in the world, and they just need to go out and play and win games. Um, high tempo, from what I noticed in his press conference, is going to be key for John Hines. Um, the practices that he runs are pretty high tempo, which, you know, if you practice well and you prepare well for a game, you're in you're in a good position to win that game. So maybe the high tempo practices uh, are going to help the Predators. And what a lot of people forget about that New Jersey Devils team, when Taylor Hall won MVP, Keith Kincaid was playing pretty well. Um, Kyle Palmieri a few seasons before that was a 30-goal scorer. John Hines um, had a hand in that. Will Butcher had a good rookie season. John Hines um, played a role in that as well. And he's also um, spent time with the U.S. Uh, National Development Program. He's coached the likes of Patrick Kane and Phil Kessel and Jimmy Howard as well. 
Um, he uh, coached Team USA to World Junior Gold in 2004, something they'd never done. Um, in the AHL, he was, he was a pretty good coach as well um, with Wilkes-Barre. All five seasons he was coach. They made the playoffs. They made the conference finals twice. He won Coach of the Year honors. Very stingy defense uh, as well. Um, so I definitely think there is reason to be optimistic that John Hines, for the time being at least, can deliver some good memories for the National Predators. I have no idea if it's going to work out in the long term, though. You're right about that, and you're right to um, have doubts that John Hines is, according to David Poyle, the right pick for the job and a guy on the rise. Um, yeah. I Maybe it's a case that David Poyle knows more than we know, and it's going to make him look like a genius in the for end sure. in a couple of years. Um, for National Day, hopefully he's right, but... Ultimately, you need to get the stars rolling, you need to get the depth guys involved, and you need to fight for the middle ice, and you need to um, you need to create more offensive chances. And that's another thing that Laviolette struggled to do. High danger chances, dominating the middle of the ice, that's what he struggled to do. And that's something um, that John Hines, uh, his rosters have been pretty good at doing. Um, so hopefully... By creating that new element of offense, that's going to help the Preds. Because the second you become predictable, the easier it is to stop your attack and the easier it is to beat you. If they can find more ways to generate offense, Nashville could be the team we expected them to be at the start of the year. Yeah, I guess that's a fair point. Uh, I mean, the uh, you know maybe in a couple of years, John Hines is the coach... Uh, you know, like is gonna show that he is a good coach and all that stuff. But he could be the next Bruce Cassidy. He could be the next Bruce Cassidy. I mean, Claude Julian was uh, was also a Devils coach and never truly got to uh, show who he was until um, until he was the Bruins coach and then the Canadians coach and then the Bruins coach again. I mean, I had that reversed. He was the Canadians coach and then he was the Bruins <laughs> coach and then he was the Canadians coach. And then he went to, I forget his entire history, but anyways. Uh, I forgot, honestly, he coached the Devils for yeah. a second. And then I remember, oh yeah, three games before the playoffs, Lou fired him. And and then he goes to the Bruins right after. Um, yeah. But like I, I guess what I'm saying is, is that it's not like there's a team that's going to fire their coach and then hire John Hines. Like they could have waited to do this in the offseason. I would have waited maybe a couple more like I would have waited till the off season to fire Laviolette, and because I, I feel like they, Laviolette could, or I, like he's given enough to the Predators to know that like he knows what he's doing. So I would have given him some leeway, but um, yeah, I guess there. I mean, maybe Poyle does know what what he's doing. We'll see. Um, where? Yeah, I, 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 did, did did he ever say what the length of? Um, the coaching contract was like do, do we know if it was just like for yeah. the rest of the season that Hines was going to be the coach or was it a multi-year thing i don't, I don't think know. i ever heard I how, think how long the deal was for i'll look that up but um maybe you i'll look that up while you talk about where do you think uh laviolette is going to go well i'm still glad you asked brett um with peter laviolette's firing um just just to put this into perspective 
Uh, This is how much of a shelf life NHL coaches have now. Jeff Blashill is now the third longest tenured active coach in the show. The guys ahead of him are John Cooper, the Tampa Bay Lightning, and Paul Maurice of the Winnipeg Jets. Um, And if you want to take a look further down the list, at 10th is Gerard Gallant, who has been the coach of the Vegas Golden Knights since October 2017. That's two and a half years ago, and he's the 10th longest tenured active coach in the show right now so it's not that Pierre Laviolette's a bad coach or or a bad fit this is just the art of coaching you're hired to get fired as they say and with a resume like Pierre Laviolette there is no doubt about it in my mind um, that he is going to find work in the NHL soon the question is how soon is he going to be to get in the game um because he has still the rest of this year and all of next year on his contract with the predators and i think it's not quite at three million but it's it's between 2.5 and 2.75 million that he's going to be paid um per year i believe um for uh with the predators um and he will get that money provide he doesn't take another coaching gig so he can take his sweet time all he wants and wait for the perfect opportunity and get back in the game there's really no rush for Pierre Laviolette uh, to make a coaching comeback at this point um here's what Pierre Laviolette um brings to the table as an NHL coach and again it's it's pretty remarkable when you consider um how long he's been around the kind of teams that he's had to coach uh, during that time and the amount of results he has been able uh, to accumulate uh, during his time as an NHL head coach. Um, Just uh, taking a look at um, Peter Laviolette. Um, Let's see here. Oh, yeah. Uh, so we mentioned uh, three times he's been to the Stanley Cup Finals, all with three different teams, Carolina, Philly, and uh, more recently Nashville. Uh, not that long ago, coached the Predators to a President's Trophy. That's awarded the league's best team. Um, he coached the Islanders to a playoff berth yeah. in 2001-2002. The year before that, the Islanders were trash, and he almost doubled their point total in one season. Uh, in 2010, the Flyers hire him midway through their season. They get on a roll. They get in the playoffs on the final day, make it to the finals, two wins away from a Stanley Cup. And those four situations um, are very, very different. Uh, you take a look at um, the Islanders. They're an opportunistic team, but... They didn't really have a legit superstar. Yeah. Um, Carolina, veteran offense, breakout young star in Eric Stahl. In Philly, MVP caliber Claude Drew, lots of power forwards. Nashville, relying on offense through their defense. Four different ways of getting to the playoffs and finding success, and Laviolette was able to succeed in that all four times. Uh, if you take a look at the 13 seasons in which he coached the entire year, this I found from the hockey news. This is glaring. Yep. Laviolette's teams have ranked in the top half of the NHL in shots on goal all 13 times, oh. including 10 times in the top 10. 
Top half in goals 12 of 13 times, including four times in the top five. And again, he's coached four different teams. Yeah. And he did with ever-changing rosters. So he will be wanted by a lot of teams, whether it's now, whether it's the offseason, whether it's the 2021 offseason. Um, and there are a couple of teams, I think, that could really use some Detroit for starters. Um to really lead their next wave of talent. I think Steve Eisman is going to need to hire an experienced coach, Laviolette. Uh, that seems like a challenge, and I think a challenge he'd be willing to embrace. Um, John Hines, former team, the New Jersey Devils, maybe. Young core, P.K. Subban. Maybe Peter Laviolette's a good fit there. Oh, um, I could do that, yeah. There's also been some chatter as to whether or not the Jets bring back Paul Maurice, his coaching contracts up after this too. year. Um, so that could be one. The wild. And of course, um, why not Seattle? Yep. Like, good one. I mentioned it, the Babcock um, stuff before all the negative stuff came out about him. Pierre Laviolette would be a perfect fit for Seattle. He'd be joining a franchise with the same vision as him. Blank canvas, do whatever the heck you want. He's a guy that seems to know what he wants and knows what works for an NHL roster. So um, I definitely think Seattle would be in the conversation. And yeah. they'd be wise to snatch him up before anyone else does. So I was I was initially thinking that maybe he could, like, get a job right now um, and go to, like, Philadelphia or Buffalo or even San Jose. But they all hire coaches pretty recently. So I don't think they're yeah. going to do that. Um, Winnipeg would be pretty interesting. I could I could maybe see that happening in house, um, which would be kind of funny because he is in that that is in Nashville's uh, division. Um, another option that I could see maybe happening is Montreal. Um, yeah, uh, that's another team as well. But I hadn't thought about Depends Winnipeg. Depends on That'd how big going. they are on him speaking French, because although he's uh, yeah. got a French last name, he's American. True, true, but I, I mean, yeah, I guess that is a good point, but I think, um, I feel like, you know, oh, I forgot about that rule, damn it. Well, I mean, it, it is a good thing, because I, because Laviolette is a good coach, so uh, maybe, maybe it's not the, the worst thing in the world for, like, for my like two, biased two -thirds version. Two-thirds of the seasons he's yeah. coached, he's won 40 games. Yep. How many coaches do that? But he would be perfect for Montreal, I feel like. But um, I could also see maybe San Jose, but I think they'd have to wait towards the end of the year because th that would be their second um, trade or their second coaching move in in the season. Um, also, yeah, um, I, I think I think they'd be willing to wait out with Boogner till the end of the yeah. year, and then maybe Doug Wilson evaluates. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. But. Um, and and he would be by far i guess peter DeBoer would be the other one but i think he would be by far the most sought after coach in the off season anyway so um we'll see about that um also i found that heinz um it does it doesn't look like it's an interim job so it looks like he has it permanently um according to this presser i also didn't realize this but uh heinz was the assistant coach for boston university uh when jack parker uh was the coach uh, around there the legendary coach there 
Um, so I didn't realize that at the time, but um, yeah, so a John Hines, I think is a permanent hire here while you were talking. Um, yeah, uh, David Poyle was also talking uh, during Tuesday's press conference, um, and Ray Sher is a good friend of his. Uh, both he and assistant GM uh, of the Devils, Tom Fitzgerald, spoke very highly of John Hines. Yep. Um, so I think once he heard that, he was pretty convinced that John Hines was his guy. Okay. And maybe it's just the fact that he's a good person and a good coach and just looking for the right fit, and maybe that's what it takes. But um, in terms of coaching resumes, there are probably a lot of guys in the NHL that would be ahead of John Hines. Yeah. Uh, for this job, especially given where the Predators are at right now. Um, but again, I, something convinces me there was something there that David Poyle liked that we didn't pick up on, and eventually we're going to find out what it is, and we're going to be like, well, David Poyle's a genius, again. Yeah, or we could say like, oh, no one, like, uh, you think John Hines, you know, you think this would would have worked out? What was he thinking kind of thing? That's the other yeah, the I, other framework. I, and, I, and I get why the hesitation, like you wouldn't fire yeah. someone like Peter Laviolette until you, you knew for sure that there was going to be a guy that was going to be capable of doing and has done just as good a job of him as he does in the past, right? Yeah. Like you, you want, you ideally, if you're going to fire a legend like Peter Laviolette, you would want someone of his caliber taking over, but it doesn't always work like that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know if you guys heard that, but um, what was okay? So then we have lastly, um, yeah, that, that is a good point. Um, but I'm saying like it could be a reverse thing as well, where John Hines is not as um, you know could be a bad hire. I, I, we'll see. That that would be a classic case of hindsight. Oh, oh my god, one, that one. One that's, that's funny. Actually, I like that one. That might the, be the like... made that tweet. The press made that tweet. I stole it from them. It's not mine. I do not take responsibility right. for that pun. But that might be our episode title. I think we found our episode title. Yeah, hindsight. Yep. Hindsight bias or something like that. I don't know. Um, how will the Preds <laughs> do the rest of the way? Oh, I should mention the. Uh, Hines' first coaching job, they lost to my Boston Bruins 6-2. to uh, But then they beat the Blackhawks 5-2 to um, on Thursday. Uh, they play on Sunday when this episode will come out, so we don't know for sure um, what they're going to do there. But um, And also Pecorine got a goal, um, uh, the first goalie goal since like 2003, I want to say. So, uh, 2013, it was Mike oh, Smith uh, as a member of the Coyotes against the Detroit Red Wings. Okay. Back when the Red Wings, I believe, were still in the Western Conference. So how do you think the Predators will do? There's, It's like, a, technically, or not technically, it is halfway point. They have, The Predators have played 43 games so far. So um, I guess, yeah, they have like about 38 more games left. Um well, um, earlier this earlier this week, it was it was actually around the time the coaching change was made, if I remember correctly. Yep. Um, halfway where point. someone calculated that the Hawks, in order to have the best chance of them making the playoffs, they would have to go 24, 11, and three in their final forty-eight 
games. I, I think that. No, that the Madden no, does not no, take that. Uh, 24, 11, and 3. That's 38 games. So I'm good at math. Don't worry. Um, 37. 37. Yeah. So, some, something of that nature is probably what the Preds would need uh, as well. Um, especially given that, like we've said before, the Central Division, um, there's there's very little give there. They're going to have to earn every single point. They've got a lot of key divisional matchups um, in the second half, um, and they've got a lot of key matchups outside of that division against teams, uh, as I mentioned earlier in uh, this episode, that are in the same dogfight as they are and have a lot to prove themselves and are fighting for just as much as they are. So pretty much every game from here on out, it should be a playoff game for the Predators. Um, I think there is a chance they could be this year's St. Louis Blues. Like, to at least get in the playoffs. I think they have the roster to do it. I was it. about to say, <laughs> jeez. However. You were however, about to predict them winning the cup. I was like, I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> however. The success of the St. Louis Blues really hinged on goaltending, which yep. they didn't have before they called up Jordan Bennington. And Jordan Bennington entered the picture. Uh, at the time, they had Chad Johnson and Jake Allen as their goaltending team. Not nearly good enough to get them wins. Bennington takes the ball, runs with it, catches fire. Blues make the playoffs. The rest is history. At the time of the firing, Pecorine owned a 14-8-3 record with three shutouts, but also owned a 2.98 GAA and an 8.96 save percentage. Definitely not Pecorine level. If he can't catch fire, it'll have to be UC Saros, who has fared worse. At the time of the firing, 5-7-4 record, 3.25 GAA, 8.92 save percentage for UC Saros. One of those two guys needs to become the guy. If they don't, this run doesn't even happen. The Preds are done. Um, I also think uh, the Stars need to be their stars. Roman Yossi, uh, from start to finish, has been Nashville's best player by a landslide. He surpassed 40 points again. Currently on a franchise-best 12-game point streak as well. Um, who knows how long Ryan Ellis is going to be out. He was hurt in the Winter Classic thanks to... Uh, 50-50 hit from Corey Perry. Um, so Yossi's probably going to get a lot of minutes as a result. Matias Ekholm, same thing. Um, so the defense has got to be huge there. Philip Forsberg also needs to get hot. He's one of those guys that can be ice cold or red hot. And I've seen Philip Forsberg. We've all seen Philip Forsberg when he's red hot and just how freely the goals are going into the net. So... Um, I think if Philip Forsberg go, goes on run of those runs and if Matt Duchesne can look to his contract, um, the Preds might have something. Victor Arvidsson had the most efficient 30-goal season I've ever seen last year. Um, so if he's good, um, all the power to the National Predators then. Um, but like I said, the scores have to be scoring. The depth scores have to pick up the slack. And the goaltending has got to be 10 times better than it is now. Yeah. Uh, that being said, I still think they need some help. Um, I don't see them getting a top three spot in the Central Division. Um, I think if there's one team in the Central they probably surpass, it would be Winnipeg. 
just because we still don't know what they're going to look like as we get through the ebbs and flows and how their defense lasts and how Connor Hellebuck is going to do in the second half as well. Um, if there's one team they pass, I think it's Winnipeg, but that's it. They're not getting past Dallas. They're not getting past Colorado. They're certainly not getting past the Blues. The Blues are just on a tear right now, and I don't think they're slowing down. So that leaves the wildcard picture. The problem with the wildcard picture is if you're looking at making the playoffs through the back door, you're going to have to deal with some Pacific Division opponents. And the Pacific Division is very, very tight. Um, you take a look at Calgary, hot and cold like Nashville this year. Um, the good news for Nashville, I don't see Vancouver sustaining what they've done for the first half. Um, I definitely think they could regress. Same with Edmonton as well. Um, Arizona could be interesting. It all depends on how healthy their goaltending is. Um, I know Ranta a couple nights ago returned from injury only to get hurt again. So he might be out again. We'll see. Kemper's already hurt. Um, so Arizona could be interesting there. Um, I don't think they catch up with Vegas. I don't know if San Jose has what it takes to get back on track either. So there is a chance for them to get into the wildcard picture, but that's their only chance if they make the playoffs. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that yeah, you kind of hit the nail on the head with that. I think the goaltending is a bigger issue um, for them, and that's going to depend on how good it can be um, in the long run or this season um, in, in that regard. Um, I could see the Predators making the wild card um, and just getting into, into it, um, but I don't know um, if, um, if it will happen because it will largely depend on their goaltending, and I think that's what's going to happen. Um, it is good that they could beat you know the last game that they had where they, they beat the, um, what was it, the Blackhawks, five to two so that is there is some progress there but um but maybe we'll see i mean they also lost the bruins six to two i mean also you have to take into account that john hines just got hired that day um so maybe there is something there but um you know winning five to two against the blackhawks you could you can build on that so uh there is something to that i think they could maybe make the wild card but we'll see um yeah. All right. Uh, that that about does it for us um, this time. I um, so you can catch us on Twitter, Facebook. Are um, are also you can check listen to our podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify. Uh, that's about it. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode two hundred two of the Lace Em Up podcast.